Hello, gracefully chosen community, and welcome to Foster My Stories, the achievement-focused podcast for foster care, adoption, orphan, inclusive of underserved communities. I'm your host, Shalina Michelle Tate, and on today's cast episode, I would like for you to get to know Felicia and Wayne Penn Jr. How are y'all doing today? Doing good. Doing great. Got to play. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have the pins on the podcast today because they are officially my second couple on the podcast. So I'm super excited for you, the listeners, to be able to really hear their testimony and who they are and what they do. But before I get into the dynamics of their connection with foster care, the military, and ministry, I would like for each of them to explain to you, the listeners, just a snippet of their upbringing. Felicia, you could go first. Just to offer just a little bit my connection, I myself once was a foster child. When I was young, probably I think between the ages of four and five, I, along with maybe, I think it was seven at that time of my other siblings, we were placed in foster care for about three years unique and different experience. I can definitely say that it wasn't all bad. There was definitely some emotional roller coasters that I went through as far as the uh, separation anxiety um, yes. from my mother at the time and my father with foster care. And I could probably go on and on with that story. But um, really, that's my connection is that I've had that firsthand experience of being a foster child. And I was eventually, you know, reunited with my siblings and with my mother a couple years later. But I often tell people that I was blessed in my experience as a foster child as I didn't have an emotional connection to my foster mother, but she was not physically abusive. I don't think she was emotionally abusive either. There really was an emotional connection, as I said. That was probably one of the things I hoped for and longed for that I never got from her. She did take care of my sister and I, it was my older sister, and placed in the same foster homes as I was. Felicia, just hearing that you were placed with your sister, I think that's dynamic because a lot of times siblings are separated during that process. Yeah. How was that journey for both of you to be there in the same placement together? See, I have to do some math here because (laughs) I will share with you and the listeners that I am one of 12. At the time that we were placed in a foster home, it was eight of us. So we were split into twos. So I was the fourth oldest of the 12 and my older sister, she and I were placed in the same foster home. 
and then I had two older sisters in between me and her that were placed together. Of course, she was, I believe, six years older than myself. And so there was somewhat, you know, a disconnect because, of course, when I was in elementary school, she was transitioning to middle school. Of course, she's going preteen phase and she's dealing with the separation from my mother differently from the way that I'm dealing with it at that time because she was the oldest of the eight. You know, my sister could probably share a lot of her feelings and and how she experienced it. But from what I saw as her younger sister, she was the protector of the family. We came to, you know, my siblings walking home from school and my mom or dad sending us to the grocery store. You know, she was often the one that was in charge. I believe that when we were placed in the foster home, There was a lot, I think, of responsibility and anxiety and questions that she had at that time that no one could answer, you know, for her. And it was like, okay, you know, we were glad that we were together. But again, the age difference. And for me, it was an experience of experiencing a lot of poverty, um, a lot of suffering, going through you know, some experiences with my mom and my dad. Um, There were some struggles there. And so for me, being in a foster home, kind of in sort of a way, felt a little bit safer than being with my biological family. Although I missed them, I longed for from my mother, but there was still some difference of experience. And my sister also had more of an understanding of why we were there than from what I had. And so, you know, when it came to the relationship that I had with my foster mother, because I was younger, there wasn't much uh, resistance there in terms of the relationship that my older sister had with her. But we were able to be together and we were able to have some laughs and we had some painful moments at the same time. But I think the fact that we were together and I was not alone was definitely more beneficial having her there with me. Thank you for sharing that. You're so right. The differences of age dynamics is so different for each child involved. I know for myself, I was placed when I was younger, like three to five age group. So I was, like you said, younger, more easily go along with the flow, and I'm the oldest out of seven. Then I became more mature in understanding, okay, this is what happened to me. This is why I'm in this situation. But just hearing the dynamics of what you each went through, I'm pretty sure her perspective will vary, of course, because of just her having to really shoulder that situation, really the parent in the situation. I appreciate you being transparent about that. I appreciate you just sharing that as well. Yes, no problem. Yes. Uh, Listeners, when we are talking about just the different things associated with foster care, it does come with a lot of different emotions. Like Felicia was sharing, just her being young at the time and having memory of her parents and just missing them as opposed to her sister who was older and just maybe having a variation of feelings, ask those why questions or how to fix questions or what did you do wrong? Felicia just 
responding on that. I really appreciate that. Wayne, how was your upbringing? My upbringing, a lot different from my wife. Didn't have the foster care experience. My little brother was actually adopted, but it was just me and him along with my parents. It's a military brat, bounced from place to place, and also a PK. Because yes. my, my, my dad and my mom, you know, they've been in ministry for Lord knows how long. You know, growing up in the military, uh, being a military family, kind of had its share of difficulties as well. You know, on one hand, you know, a lot of people view it as an opportunity to see and experience the world more or less. And yeah. you, you get to go and, you know, see all these different places. But it can be hard in the sense that once you make connections with people, yeah. you always have in the back of your head that, two, three years from now, you'll have to sever those connections yeah. on some level, you know, whether it's moving to another state or even, you know, for us, moving to another country at times. You know, yeah. We've been out of country several times as well. But yeah, had that experience, I guess I would say one thing that I certainly can't speak to the experience that my wife had, nor um, perhaps our listeners have had with foster care. But one thing that being in ministry myself yeah. and also seeing, you know, different people minister, people who have dealt with foster care and all the ins and outs is it takes a level of good listening and also yes. a desire to engage with people of different perspectives, yes. different stories, different backgrounds. You have to be willing to kind of get outside of yourself, but you'll never be effective in ministering to people who have experienced that. Cause like you said, to your point, Shalina, I mean, you know, there's different emotions that come with the experience. Some people yeah. have overwhelmingly positive experiences and other people have overwhelmingly negative experiences. There's just levels of trauma. There's different levels of, you know, coping and all that kind of stuff. And so I think being a military brat and seeing people of different perspectives and having to hear and really affirm in a lot of ways, different perspectives, even while disagreeing with people, yes. I think seeing that from a young kid up until adulthood kind of helped me, you know, kind of have the mindset to, to be able to do that well. And it's helped me in ministry in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I don't know if my background is as exciting as fees, but... <laughs> I really appreciate what you just expounding on. And as a matter of fact, you and Fee are the perfect pairing because you have been connected in ways that complement each other. Whereas, Wayne, you may not have grown up in the system, foster, adoption, orphan, but your experience like moving around and dealing with military life and separation yeah. pairs with Fee because it's a matter of being taken from her natural setting and just having to move and yeah. adjust. Also, feel you relate because you mentioned it briefly. You had an adoptive brother. How was that situation? I'm glad you brought that back up. We adopted my little brother actually from birth. When they look at it technically, we adopted from her. Yeah. And so that was quite the experience. Early on, you know, it really wasn't any kind of issues as far as, you know, that dynamic. Josh got older. And of course, you know, it got to the point to where, you know, he was aware of the fact that, you know, hey, I'm adopted. I'm not naturally biologically part of this family. Yeah. Although, you know, we did all we could. Of most of the time to make him feel welcome but there were instances honestly where i particularly as a big brother yeah you know learned over the years that i had to you know be a different big brother than what i had seen others be because of you know finding out the way he did about you know adoption and everything like that and you know learning the dynamics and particularly it was pretty hard too because my aunt was biological mom also you know had another son afterwards which yeah. did contribute to him you know, processing it, dealing with it in ways that yeah. were pretty negative. You know, he was yeah. questioning, you know, well, why this and why that. And so um, as a big brother, I really had to learn how to actually be there for him and care for him on a different level. It was a whole other playing field in a lot of ways. And I didn't always get it right. And I mean, honestly, there were times where I frankly was not the big brother that I needed to be. But thankfully, you know, again, just by taking the time to listen to him and just being there for him, 
I was able to, you know, kind of be a good support system for him. And, you know, now, right now, we're pretty close. Yeah. Honestly, like, we're, him and I are confidants to each other. There's some stuff that we share with each other that yeah. we don't share with anybody else. Yeah. It's just really been a blessing, you know, to see our relationship develop in that way. Only a challenge, you know, just kind yeah. of helping him cope and to process, you know, with the reality of being adopted and the yeah. situation surrounding it. And I'm so grateful to hear that side of that testimony that you just said, because technically your aunt and his mom, that for you and your family was a kinship care placement family took on. And a lot of times, listeners, we mentioned this briefly in other episodes, but kinship care happens when family members really kind of step in and take on the role of foster parent for the youth involved and growing up I'm pretty sure a lot of you listeners probably know of that or went through that you just didn't call it foster care you called it going to stay with grandma I loved how you mentioned being more aware of being a brother that he could grow accustomed to like really being the difference when you did mention it earlier as far as for you that was already part of your upbringing your parents I guess Felicia, um, how did you transition into military, and then how did you and Wayne come to meet? I did ROTC in high school for four years. Absolutely loved the program because it just offered discipline and it was very structured. And being a Type A person, that's really what I needed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So kind of you know fell in love with the structure. And decided that, you know, I wanted to do something different to get away from home. (laughs) Because by this time, of course, I was reunited back with my family. My father did serve early on. Or, of course, I was born in some of my siblings' military, I think, for a couple of years. And I had an uncle that served in the Marines who also helped to raise, you know, my siblings and I. He was always, you know, talking about his military experience and, the different things that the military offer. I did not want to go directly into college after I graduated high school. So I was like, hey, I'm going to join the Army. And so my mom was really big. She was like, on education, she was like, no, um, you know, you need to go to school. And so I decided to join the Army National Guard because that was a way that I could have military um, service experience and then I could also go to school to college at the same time so that was the way that I transitioned into the military and so Wayne actually I met his mom first my oldest daughter Corey she was going to Fort Jackson daycare at the time I met Wayne's mom got to know his family and that's how I met Wayne we were friends for several years before we had any romantic interest in each other Um, so I would say it was probably through the military my experience of being in the military um, because his mom actually worked at Fort Jackson I kind of shifted into that phase of my life with the military experience thank you so much for sharing Felicia was your school set up at the time where it was a requirement to take ROTC from what I remember and I'm of course a little older now (laughs) had to take PE yes. or either ROTC. Okay. It was you had to take a year of ROTC or either to take a physical education class. Okay. And I opted for ROTC. Okay. That's awesome. Briefly for me, it was a requirement to take it. Oh wow. Yeah, at the schools that I attended. And like you, I fell in love with it. 
ROTC helped kind of provide that structure and sense of belonging mm-hmm. that stemmed from, of course, being in foster care. And then I briefly joined the drill team, which I thought was cool because I saw how they spun the yeah. rifles and, and that was pretty cool. So, yes, thank you for sharing that. To um, Shalina, and as far as the structure yeah. that it offers and when I would meet people in the military and basic training and other training that I would go to and I would have conversations with them about their upbringing and my upbringing, I often found out that a lot of people, I won't try to name statistics because I really don't know the percentage, but I will say that a lot of people that I came into contact with, that was one of their reasonings for joining is because they had experienced a lot of challenges throughout their childhood with their family. Some were very traumatic. And so they were often looking for that structure yeah. for that sense of belonging mm-hmm. to a family. That's, you know, what the one of the things that the military is really big on is calling itself a family and being yes. a family. You're exactly right. It does. It offers that structure. It offers that reassurance that, hey, you are a part of something, you know, bigger than yourself. I did briefly in one point in my life consider joining the military, but what stopped it is background. I had childhood surgeries that disqualified me because of my health. But what would you say, Felicia, to out there who is wanting to possibly go that route or want structure in their life? Any advice you would want to give them? Often encourage people who, who want to go into the military and they're looking for that structure. They're looking for discipline. The military is definitely a great route, but mm-hmm. I would encourage anyone that grew up with the experience that you may have had that I may have had where they have experienced some type of trauma or emotional challenge family challenges to kind of go back to that and really open up those things that often we don't want to open up and talk to someone about those things because the military it's great it does offer you that discipline but not going to Heal, you still have to deal with those things. And so I would encourage them, you know, to seek therapy, someone who's, who's coaching you, a life coach, a counselor, someone that you're sitting down and you're talking with, and you reach out to professionals, the knowledge and the expertise and the experience in helping and dealing with the issues that we face, it's better. As I went into the military, I got counseling, you know, I saw a therapist as a child. But I got into my adult life and I got into the military. Some of the things that I experienced, even from being in a foster home, I was dealing with those things as a leader in the military. And so I found myself in situations where those things, those hurts would come out. And um, even my struggle with feeling accepted. Often when I get up to speak in front of people, there's that anxiety of, okay, are they going to accept me? Am I going to enter into a situation where I feel like I'm going to be abandoned? The trauma and the anxiety and the fears that I had from childhood and from my experiences, they kind of trickled over into my adult life. Of course, a lot of things take time to heal, work through. So while I may have still experienced some of those feelings after getting counseling, I think had I gotten a more in-depth sit-down and one-on-one with a professional, a lot of the experiences that I had, I probably could have avoided.
some of the, the trauma that I felt had I gotten some coaching. So my advice, again, to them, to know the truth as to why you want to join. It's not just a way of escape. Really, the healing development of facing and coping with those traumas really helps progress you. And thank you so much, Felicia, for highlighting that. Same question for you, Wayne, as far as alternatives that they could possibly look into. Recommend the church, and yes. you have to be careful in that, though, yeah. because you know not all churches are set up yes. to assist, you know, specifically in that way. Yes. Um, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that you know, in a lot of instances, clinical counseling and you know a lot of you know social services and everything like that. In some instances, you know, not all. There are a lot of good churches out there who are wholeheartedly encouraging the members to seek, you know, clinical counseling and help outside of pastoral counseling, which I think is really good. Yeah. Because I mean, you know. Both, I think, are needed, you know, in order to really affect real change. Yeah. But not just spiritual beings, you know, we're yeah. emotional, we're mental, yes, we're, we're physical. And so, you know, I think it's important to kind of keep a holistic approach to that. So yes. I would definitely recommend the church for sure. A healthy church specifically, yes. a church that can either has perhaps some, you know, professionals that deal in that area, you know, can point you to resources. Even beyond that, just also perhaps look at, you know, someone in your life who you could see as a mentor. You know, whether it be, a, unfortunately, you know, people in the foster care system in a yeah. lot of it, and it's sad to say, but they can't rely on their media family, yeah. you know, for the kind of support that, you know, ordinarily be expected to be there from that family. I mean, a teacher, for me personally, you know, my barber, Ramon Jackson, you yeah. know, people like that, you, you see and can trust to really take a vested interest in your life and in your situation. Mentors are important. Also, point about, you know, just the clinical side, I mean, Look, ask, look it up, research. I mean, it is possible. I know it's kind of cliche to say, you know, we'll Google it. You know, it would be good to have, you know, some friends or whatever, people that, you know, you may know to kind of run this by. Like, hey, do you think this is a good resource? Hey, is this something that you think I could perhaps, you know, tap into? Thank you so much for talking about the resources that you know of and that could help the listeners. I would also like for you to share the fact that you have a podcast with the listeners Please share the name and what your podcast is all about. About that, Fee normally leaves this to me. So the podcast, um, the name of our podcast is Marriage at Golgotha. And for those of you that may be wondering what that means, Golgotha, that word specifically is Hebrew for the place or the hill of the skull. So a more familiar word would probably be Calvary. Jesus Christ was crucified. So Um, The idea behind the name of the podcast is essentially we're talking about topics and things regarding relationships and marriage that are real, that are raw, that are authentic. It's one of those things where, you know, we want to represent Christ, obviously, in what we talk about, but we want to do away with the idea that Christians in particular can't be real and authentic about the problems and the issues that we encounter in marriage. You know, I think we often have this idea that, you know, as believers, that because we're believers, that our marriages ought to be heads and tails above everybody else's, and it has to be perfect, and we can't make any mistakes, we can't have problems, and we're really trying to do what we can to kind of push back against that narrative. And there was somebody that kind of gave really good synopsis, almost like a catchphrase for us. He said that, you know, marriage at Golgotha is brutal yet beautiful. So there's obviously brutal moments in marriages where it gets really, really rough and you have disagreements and bump heads and have trauma and pain. 
but it's such a beautiful thing to behold. And we talk about, you know, relationships and dating and singleness as well and other taboo topics that tend to get ignored in terms of conversations within the church specifically. We definitely try to do that to the best of our ability. So yeah, that's our podcast in a nutshell. It's been really good for us. It's been therapeutic in a lot of ways. It's helped us really kind of solidify even our own stances on things. Often we find ourselves having to talk to each other about things that we talked about, like, hey, I didn't know you felt that way about this. But yeah, yeah, that's that's our podcast in a nutshell. So check us out if you want. We have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram and we're on TikTok, though we don't do as much on TikTok as we should. But our handle on Instagram and TikTok is M at G, that's M-A-T-G underscore podcast. And we also have a website as well. It's marriage at Golgotha, G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A dot com. So check us out, man. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to be here on Foster My Stories. Thank you for sharing so many words of wisdom, resources, and just um, encouraging the listeners through your many ministries of military, ministry, parenting, also with your podcast, Parenting at Golgotha, Calvary. Really appreciate that you took time to stop by. And I'm looking forward to just your development and how you're going to be used to continuously make strides, um, not just in your communities, but for the multitudes. Thanks so much again for being on. It's so awesome to be on this episode today, Shalina. I want to say thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much for both being on. And if you've enjoyed today's content, I'd love to hear your feedback via the Foster My Stories Facebook page. Also, if your upbringing, community service, or job connects you to the foster, adoption, orphan, or underserved community, I would love to have you on the podcast. You can send an email to Foster My Story Podcast 24 7. That's Frank Mary Sam Podcast 24 7 at gmail.com. And tell me a snippet of how your past background or someone you know relates. Also, stay tuned as the full website is being developed for. Frank Mary Story with an I, not a Y dot com. Make sure to check out updates about content posted on selected Wednesdays throughout the month and listen to this podcast on any platform convenient for you, such as Red Circle Podcast, where you can donate to the efforts of this podcast, along with Spotify, Amazon Audible, Amazon Music, Radio Public. Google Podcast and on Facebook, where you can also catch missed episodes or stay connected for announcements concerning upcoming guests and content, along with Instagram and LinkedIn. And like the pins were saying, you just have to take the time to listen and also help find and provide the resources to help someone who's come from those communities, and also help a youth or someone you know who's thinking about going into the service or don't really have a clear direction on what they would like to do, to stop and think, to get resources needed, and to also take time to heal so that they can also become gracefully chosen. Well, 
please share this with someone. And remember, as always, being fostered, adopted, orphaned, or coming from underserved communities simply means you're gracefully chosen. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to the Pins for taking time out of their schedules to be here today on Fostered My Stories. Take care.